Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast. Welcome back to the MWF series and welcome back to episode number 9. This is part 2 of episode number 9 of the MWF series. If you're joining us here for the first time, go check out episode uh, I mean part 1 uh, which where where we discuss the game between Liverpool and Arsenal. But for part 2 we shift our attention to Italy to the Serie A. where there was a huge game that happened between Inter Milan and Napoli i mean it's a game between the first and third on the table so cause huge consequences even though it's early on in the season but yeah to help me talk about this and to help review this game We've got Manish, who's an Inter Milan fan. He's been on the podcast many times before, talking about Inter Milan. And we've got Yogesh, who supports Napoli. He's also been on the podcast before. Um, and yeah, uh, Yogesh also, you know, founded and heads the Napoli India group. So yeah, go check that out. Uh, Manish has got uh, also is a part of another podcast called the Solo Inter Podcast uh, with Parmeshwar. If you watched our previous episodes, you know who he is. So go check out all of that the links will be in the description um but yeah so let's talk about this game guys Manish and Yogesh it was a thriller suspense at the San Siro uh, between Inter and Napoli so Manish let's let's rewind the clock back a couple of hours uh, before the final whistle was bl- was blown team sheets have come in everyone's getting prepared for the big game what did you make of the team sheet and how confident were you going into this match so yeah hi prapadi uh, so the match i think inter versus napoli it didn't get bigger i think this season this was the biggest game for both the sides one fact is like inter was the best scoring team in the league and napoli was the best defensive uh, i think just four goals in 12 matches that itself it's it's insane like they're doing really well so the match started off well in the sense uh, like before the match the pre match One was Spalletti facing his old club. Spalletti was at Inter for uh, before Conte had come in, and Spalletti mm-hmm. stabilized more Inters. You know, Inter was a bit shaky. Inter was always known as Fazza Inter the whole last decade, I believe. Uh, but Spalletti, along with Beppe Marotta, pretty much uh, tried to stabilize it. And uh, the team got, I think, in the two seasons which we had Spalletti, uh, we were, I think, twice we came to the Champions League. That itself was a big achievement. So the pre-match started with uh, I think uh, Spalletti requesting not requesting pretty much uh, addressing the media saying that I hope the Inter fans don't boo me when I return to the San Siro. So slightly that was a history in Wolden and uh, I think the Inter fans acknowledged uh, his performance he was really good he was a good manager people respected him. But I think that tenure was one of the most shakiest during when he when he just joined and there were you know the mess the lot of mess such that there were arrogant players like Icardi uh his agent wanda was creating problem there was internal disputes between perisic and ikadi and also i think main gulan was not attending trainings on time and stuff so a lot of chaotic situation but paletti tried with all the resources he had he he did all right that was thing so yeah that was the before match paletti taking on his old club yogesh uh prabali sorry yeah no but uh in terms of for you as a fan how confident were you going to this game uh, i remember i had the conversation previously with parmesh when you guys played into i mean ac milan it was a draw there uh you still third on the table a little further away from 
Milan and Napoli, but confident going into this game? So, yeah, this match, the other thing was the criticism which Simeon Inzaghi was, uh, he never won with the top six opposition. He always struggled. Not struggle as in, we always had better of matches against Juventus, against Atalanta and against AC Milan. But still, for some reason, we could not collect the win. Three points. There's always a last minute hiccup which, you know, resulted in a draw. So, this match was like a must win for Inter. And uh, I think finally, Inzaghi got the monkey off his back. Because uh, it was a lot of pressure on him to succeed. And I think uh, Inter needed three points way more than what Napoli did. All right. Okay. And Yogesh, uh, the same sort of question to you. When the team sheet came out, how, how confident were you? And also, any sort of surprises from Napoli in terms of uh, the players put onto the field? Yep. Uh, so, there was one surprise that uh, Paul Tornu did not start. Due to an injury, that last night injury, and Lozano wanted to stop. There was a bit of a kind of a fiasco with Lozano saying something during the international break about going on to bigger clubs and better things. He retracted that statement and said that it was messed up by the reporter. But there was a little bit of that. Uh, and uh, the entire team was available to the squad. Uh, just uh, Diago Dema got this COVID section and he was out of court, but the entire team was available. They were obviously uh, on international uh, duties. So one thing was that like uh, I was a bit concerned about like the health of Insigne, like what shape is coming back from the international duty. That was the uh, one major concern. And the another concern, another good thing that happened with Bora match was that uh, Milan lost to uh, Milan lost, so we had a chance to take a three-point lead. Like it does not feel good. Like you, uh, even after twelve games, you are performing so well. <laughs> there's another team to match the performance. That was uh, uh, there, there was a slight chance to go top by three points, clear of three points. But yeah, so like it was a match that we did not definitely want to lose. A uh, draw would have sufficed. All right. Okay. I mean, fair enough. Uh, so let's talk about this game, and it it was quite a suspenseful game. You know. Obviously, Napoli getting uh, the I think the early goal, and then of course Milan equal. I mean Inter equalizing, and then getting I think it was a three-one up by the time it ended. But let let's talk about that early goal, Yogesh. And how how much confidence do you think, or how much confident were you once that early goal? I mean the goal went in the first goal uh, that you could get, take the three points away from this game. Yep, uh, so it was Inter's home. Uh, so Inter were playing like the home team. Uh, they had more of the position. Uh, Napoli barely had a look on the uh, and But Napoli were, were pressing well. They were pressing back. Uh, and the goal came as a result of Zirin's keyboard Varela in position. Uh, and we did a swift counter attack. Uh, Insigne, like I thought, Insigne was going to go for a say, trademark curling shot from that angle. Not surprisingly, he passed it. Uh, wide to Zielinski uh, and Zielinski who has been like a little bit uh, off form a little uh, shadow of himself throughout this season so far he scored a wonderful goal uh, and he started the counter-attack he won the ball uh, and throughout the match Zielinski was in uh, like Zielinski was his former self like he used to play like last season in the series so yeah uh, with the opener score without having much of position look like like uh, we are doing good we can just sit back and hit Inter on counter, we did. We have Lozano who has too much, lots of pace. Osmian who has, like you were stating, Osmian who is sitting so far in the season. Both of them have pace. Insigne and Zielinski can put in balls wherever we 
So it looked set that one day at the Inter's room, let's sit back and attack on ground. Okay, and Manish, when uh, I, the same, I guess when the first goal went in, how like were you sort of nervous or you thought yes, plenty of time? We were, I mean, Inter was on the attack and probably you could get the equalizer sooner rather than later. Uh, I thought, uh, funny enough, Inter started off really well. I think uh, it's one of those matches where normally Inter takes a lot of time getting into games. But this match, I think from the first whistle, Inter took the initiative. They were attacking, having more possession. And let's not mistake you, Napoli is one of the best midfields. Uh, the midfield is really strong. But Inter with Barella, Brozovic and Chalanoglu, I think, controlled the midfield. Uh, the only main absentee from Inter was Stefan de Frey, the, the main centre-back. Uh, and his absence was really vital because Ossiman is a really pacey guy. So we have Renokia, who was a reserve defender. He would pretty much fill in his shoes, not bad. So the first goal which Napoli scored, I think pretty much it was a mistake by Inter. I think Barella got easily dispossessed with the ball. He lost the ball in midfield. And then I think always Zelensky... He always uh, he turns into prime Zidane when he, he plays Inter. He goes one of those beautiful long-range drives. It's not the first time he scored like this. I think the previous seasons was he has scored. But I think the first goal is clearly a mistake of two players. One was Perella, who lost the ball foolishly. And second was Handanovic. Come on. Uh, we, I think we all spoke in Parameshwar spoke about last episode, I believe, saying yeah. that he lost his reflexes. His, uh, he's a captain of the team, fair enough. But... His positioning sense, his reflex, everything is going down the drain. And that's why I think pretty much Inter is signing uh, Onana as the next keeper. He'll be announced in January, I believe. But yeah, that's how the first goal which Napoli scored. I think, I thought maybe a couple of years old, uh, a few years back, Handanovic would have stopped that easily. But take nothing from the strike. That was a good shot. And after that, I think Inter had more and more initiative to go and attack, go and attack. And uh, Inter finally scored. uh, Yeah. I mean, talking about Handanovic, because that was my first stop. Because, yes, Zielinski had, I mean, that shot had a lot of power, a lot of venom in it. So, fair enough. Maybe, like, the it was too powerful to stop. But I felt like it wasn't, like, an unstoppable shot. It wasn't like he, he shot it extremely to his right or left. It was just about here, uh, to the left or top left. So, I felt, like, yeah, I think a keeper with better reactions or a... A more sprightly keeper would have probably pushed that or made an effort to at least hit it, push it back either on the crossbar or above that. So, yeah. Uh, he, uh, I think, did he make? No, that was Ospina who made the save late before it, uh, later on, I think, in the end. So, yeah. So, that no, sorry, shot... it was, I think it was Handanovic towards the end of the game where Napoli had a couple of chances. He'd made a good yeah. save. I'm not sure. <laughs> that, yes, let me get to that. So, uh, talking about yeah. uh, that, that one, I think clearly Handanovic fall as well as Barella's first, first goal, which Napoli scored. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that goal came from Inter's mistake rather than Napoli's attack and stuff. But uh, taking that, I think Inter reacted really well uh, because a losing 1-0 at home can get pressure yeah. on Inter. So, But Inter came on well. He had a couple of chances with uh, Lautaro Martinez again. And Lautaro's form uh, has been questionable. I think last seven matches, total combined, he hasn't scored for Inter. Five in the Italian league and two in Champions League. So, you know, he again had a lot to prove. And initially, he had two good promising positions. One a header, which he, he shot over the bar. And the other one close in shot, which Ospina shot. He stopped well. But yeah, yeah the penalty I, came. Yeah, on, yeah the penalty. penalty. I mean, the penalty thing. So, last time, last week, or uh, last time uh, on the previous episode when we spoke about the Milan derby, it was again a penalty that sort of 
I mean, it was uh, Chalanoglu who scored the penalty. No, yeah. Yeah, Chalanoglu. the penalty. Yeah. 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 Yeah, correct. And then I think he missed one also. So there's a lot of talk about penalties and you know how easy they used to be given in the Serie A and how maybe um, the referees are maybe have to get a lot, lot more stricter. With this handball, uh, was it a clear and obvious one? For me, it felt like it maybe hit the arm that I was protecting and that's a more natural position. But he had the arms outstretched. I don't know which arm it hit because it clearly felt like it maybe hit this arm first and then hit the outstretched arm. That's I'm not correct. sure. What did you make of that penalty decision? So, talking about this penalty, I think it was a stonewall penalty. I think nobody even disputed it. Not in the media, not in the players. Uh, Kulibali he made his body bigger, made it wider by extending his arm. And it hit, like you said, he hit the uh, one arm and went to the other arm. And it was okay. going towards goal. It wasn't going away from goal. So, that's pretty much a stonewall penalty decision. That's a fair decision. Okay, the, uh, Yogesh, I, I yeah. just want to, get, want to get his decision, then we'll talk about the goal again. But yeah, Yogesh, uh, would you agree? Uh, yeah, I would agree because like uh, I was surprised that the ref himself did not go for a penalty because like from what it looked like, uh, the, it hit the outside arm. But uh, when the ref did not go for it, uh, I thought maybe it did not hit the outside arm, it hit the inner one. It's unlikely that Kulibali had to concede it much there. Anyone else rather than Kulibali could have been good. But Kulibali conceding the penalty and like, it's not fair on them. Uh, yeah, Manish, but uh, Hakan to take the penalty, like he's obviously scored one. I think he missed one against Milan. Uh, uh, but but uh, Lautaro missed the second one. Oh, Lautaro missed. All oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the thing with penalty, again, it's a big chaotic situation in Inter. Last season, Lukaku mm-hmm. was the main penalty taker. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Lukaku converted all his penalties. All. Maybe he had like around 10 or 12 penalties the whole season. Last he had converted everything with 100% success rate. So this season, pretty much, we didn't have that uh, ice cold finisher like Lukaku, you know, for penalties. Lautaro has been a hit or miss over the last two seasons. He has been missing penalties here and there. Perisic was not sure to take. And Chalanoglu stepped up from nowhere. And Chalanoglu is a dead ball specialist. And I think from now on, he will be assigned penalty taker. Pretty much like the Italian scenario where Jorginho was the main taker and missed it. So Lautaro is supposed to be the main taker, but Lautaro has no confidence saying that seven matches he didn't score. So, it's only right. Chalanoglu stepped in and he scored a well-taken penalty. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the conversation we had about Lotaro's inability to score penalties. But, yeah, fair enough. But the first goal goes in and, of course, post that, it was inter, at least for a while, with the second and the third. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. You know, what's the dress, what are the dressing room conversations going at halftime and stuff like that? So, what are the tactics that were employed to enable Inter to score that those three goals? So, I think the best uh, reaction was, oh, I think once Chalanoglu scored the penalty, you could see that he didn't take time to celebrate. He immediately took the ball and ran back to the half line. You know? That itself showed the intent of Inter. They weren't looking for a draw. They were looking for a win. And I think the pressure kept piling on. Inter kept attacking, kept attacking. And Perisic scored a wonder. And I think uh, set pieces have been really good this season. Chalanoglu, mm-hmm. I think Milan fans would be quite salty about him. We got him on a free transfer, yeah. So initially they were mocking us, like saying that oh he's not a really good player. But now he has been one of the standout performers for us this season. Yeah. yeah. And once again his set piece was amazing, and Perisic very good header. And I think it was goal line. Uh, luckily the goal yeah. line technology spotted it and gave it a goal. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. So, but Yogesh, like that corner kick, is that? I mean, there's a lot of talk about the importance of having people to on the post to defend. Of course, Ospina was sort of a reactionary thing because he was off his line, then came back and tried to paw it away. But this whole conversation, this whole debate of having players by the post to stop sort of stop events like this happening, stop headers like this happening. Where, where what's your stance on that? I think uh, the, the, this was a very rare and irrational kind of goal. Like there was literally zero angle from the from where Perisic hit it. Like uh, it was the slightest glance that he had. Uh, it was uh, just a feather touch, and it just went in. Like I don't think so. Like uh, any tactics that we employ, like uh, zonal marking, man marking, making players stand on poles, uh, nothing can stop these kind of goals. Yep, it was a goal. It was intense. It was Perisic's like. Okay. I don't think so. Perisic will score these kind of goals very often, but <laughs> this one did win it. All right, uh, but Manish, like I think it was two-one going into the halftime. Uh, but obviously, Lautaro scores the the third goal. But so, what do you think? Zaki stole him during halftime because he finally broken his duck. No, the thing was, uh, we had Adin Zeko, the main striker, injured. Hmm. Lautaro and Korea, I think they were just came from the international match in South America. You know how tiring that gets. So we yeah. didn't, and Sanchez was injured, so we didn't have proper fit strikers playing this match. Zako would definitely have started, uh, and Zako starts. Then it's you know Zako is pretty much leading the team forward. So now the pressure was on uh, Lautaro to take that from Zako, and he scored an amazing goal. But the, the main thing was creator uh, Korea, Jack. Korea was, he took it from the box. He, I think, dribbled from the whole field and I think one box to another box. And he gave a brilliant pass to Lathar, who scored. Again, uh, he gets monkey off his back finally. And surprisingly, his celebration was uh, sorry to the fans. Like, I think, for missing the penalty for his, against AC Milan. And our last couple of matches, he was missing crucial chances. So that was a kind of cool celebration. And the fans accepted yeah. that. From then on, like it was, all, it was all inter. So I think the first 70 minutes, it was completely inter uh, who had this match in the hand. Right. Uh, and then we move on to the next sort of 20 minutes. And Yogesh, Napoli, um, what a strike by Dries Mertens there. And it's 3-2, you know, the last, what, 10-15 minutes? or Yeah, 10-15 yeah, minutes is going to be a Napoli attack trying to get that equalizer. What are your emotions during that period? Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I would like to just go back a few minutes. Uh, before that happened, uh, Austin got a very terrible injury. He's going yeah. to be around, like, probably two months out because of that. Uh, had the kind of a fracture sort of thing. Where he had a surgery done today, but he's going to be out until January. And January is African Cup of Nations. So we lost Austin, probably our MVP of the season so far. So that was a bit, uh, I'm losing him in the biggest game of the season when we are 2 1 down away from home. Uh, you know, that was definitely a blow to the stomach. Uh, but Petania came on. That uh, team did show a fighting spirit. Uh, one thing that uh, Inter, I could see, uh, were doing was they were stretching out the play a lot of uh, times. Like they were using the full width of the pitch. Uh, whereas Napoli tend to be like more centralized and practically vertically through the center. Uh, so that has been tendency of Napoli. And uh, we considered the counter attack because of that. We had so many bodies in front uh, with Delhi, uh, uh, anyone defending at the back. And Korea had has too much space to. Space and space to uh, go on through that amazing and that. Yeah. Yep. So three one down. Uh, then we 
Saliday has made good substitutions again, like he has been doing so far this season. He took out Insigne, who had been a shadow of himself. On Lozano, he was just had some few sparks during the game, but never had a shot on him. So he took off Lozano and Insigne, brought on Elmas and Mertens. Uh, so Mertens uh, had a long bit of injury during uh, He did score in Europa League the last time out, but uh, yep, he's Mertens, he's our top scorer ever. Uh, in the history of the club, so he, he showed what, what he can do under pressure. Uh, the goal he scored is it literally came out of nowhere. Like, even I was not expecting us to score that kind of goal from that sort of great area, but yeah, <laughs> that's a true Smurtons. And with 3 yeah. 2, uh, the game was really on. After that, like, um, we had three clear cut opportunities to score. And, uh, don't miss that. And the last attempt at the ball which uh, Mertens. Uh, had laid on his feet, like it was just on his feet. He just had to do a sort of tap in and then balloon the world. Man, but sometimes those are the stuff. worst though. <laughs> yeah, man. And yeah. Uh, Mario Rui had this phenomenal, so much power in that tenor. And still, Handanovic, who has been like so much criticized this season, he somehow just managed to get hand on it and just bounce off the crossbar yeah. twice or thrice, I guess. So, yeah, the bit unlucky uh, towards the end, but uh, had. We played like that throughout the match. Probably uh, we could have come, came back with a better result. Right. And Manish, I want to get your th- your emotions during that. Your thoughts on y- your emotions during that particular part. I think the last 20 minutes was, you know, any the suffering was too much. I think all the Inter fans pretty much. I think a couple of them, they're saying like they couldn't watch it. It was like, you know, very terrible because I think that when he was piling on the pressure. And Inter showed the glimpses of this old Padza Inter. Padza is the nickname given to Inter is like crazy Inter where, you know, they fuck up things like they get a 4-1 lead and then they come score turns 4-4. So that's called Padza Inter. So pretty much it turned into that scenario where, like like uh, you guys said, the goal came out of nowhere. Uh, again, from, my, from Inter's side, it was a mistake by Zeko, who again foolishly lost the ball uh, in a very promising position. And then uh, with the form Handano, which is anything you shoot in, pretty much is going to go in. So Mertens took a good shot. Uh, that was pretty yeah. much unstoppable for Handano with standards because his standards are quite low at this point. So that was a good goal. And uh, it brought Napoli back in the game from nowhere because pretty much till then Inter was controlling the play. And I think other weakness, like I said, uh, a lot of Inter players were not fully fit. And, mm-hmm. uh, like the strikers, Korea and Martinez. If they would have stood on, I think it's been a different game altogether. They weren't fit. And uh, people like Barella, Barella, once he leaves the pitch, you can see that the quality is dropping at the instant. Because who are the subs? People like Gallerini and stuff, who are, I don't think would start any Italian League Cup, <laughs> any Italian League, he wouldn't start. So all of a sudden, the quality dropped massively and Napoli got in the chance. And yeah. I think that last crucial save by Handanovic, that, I don't know, you call it a lucky save or what, but it stopped and the ball went just over the bar. So pretty much I gave up at that point. I thought it's a goal. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was a very tough moment for Inter fans, you know, for that. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. I, I was watching like the highlights and yeah, those last few chances, I mean, I just don't know how Napoli didn't manage to score. I think, yeah, Mario Ruiz had that, that, brilliant opportunity with the header. Handanovic sort of redeemed himself there for a bit until the next match at least. And then you've got I mean, Dries Mertens who scored that brilliant golazo from how many ever yards out and then he just blazes over a 
simple serve tap in which i like i still say is probably the tougher of the two but still it's it's it was insane um okay so manish with this victory you are probably a few points closer to the top 2 who are right now the same points how much confidence does this give inter milan and your team i think last time when we spoke uh, parmesan was like it's still a rebuilding phase after conte's left things are not i mean things need to build up once again you sold some key players here but you know a couple of more results like this with milan dropping points maybe a napoli loss in the near future inter could see themselves with a great chance of fighting for the title or challenging at least yeah definitely agree that this match will be a turning point but uh, i kind of disagree what parmesan said like he said uh, okay we lost key players yes but pretty much i think last season our points have been pretty much the same not much difference i think we're just two points behind at this stage last season under conti so nothing much has been changed more and uh, on the points side Uh, but saying that inter play now more attacking football they may more, play more free flowing football and uh, you know it, it's good to watch this inter at conti it was more rigid where mm-hmm. it was just counter attacking football defend and then release hakimi and lukaku would score a tap and pretty much that was the scenario <laughs> but now it's unpredictable the goals coming from corners we are scoring on set pieces we are scoring penalties we are scoring lautaro korea like a lot more uh, i am kind of enjoying this inter funny enough this inter has been really good and only thing is inter had should have been top of the table i think but now i think napoli and milan having seasons like historical seasons it's not like uh, what do you say like fluke they are there they both of them are playing really well and i think they broken a couple of records for being this ahead of the table so inter has been doing what they have been doing best but uh, napoli and milan i think in different gear, gear right now so inter pretty much this right now like you said will be a turning point and i think inter will be gunning for the title and you could say it's a three man horse race so far because these three teams are about the rest at this stage i'm sure that atlanta and juventus will come back gradually in but at this stage it's been a three horse race and it's it's going to be interesting season i think one of the best season uh, had inter lost this match i think 10 points would be in a massive gap with napoli but right now four points is good enough for us and it's just a touching distance between the top two teams of milan and napoli true and yogesh talking about it, i mean you said at the start of this podcast that a win would take you 3 points clear of milan and it's not an ideal scenario where you've got a team that's chasing you getting the same sort of results that you are getting how much of this was an opportunity lost to have that clear sort of pace from milan and also yeah i mean how are you how Conf- not confident but how scared are you i suppose of teams like inter milan and probably atlanta who are gaining points who in you know any sort of slip up and you could see them challenging for your top spot and uh, yeah you already spoke about osman anyway so yeah this was the question yeah yep. uh, so this was our first year the cup of the season uh, we knew things will not always be rosy and shiny so I think we are starting to get in the difficult part of the season. This is where we see, uh, like, you make it or break it. We lost the match, but more importantly, like, we lost Austin for such a long time. Uh, Insigne is also uh, bit injured. He won't be playing probably next week. And the next game, uh, we have to. Uh, there's a Europa League match in midweek, uh, and there's Lazio coming up. 
next weekend. Uh, and there are uh, these two months, there are a lot of games. We'll be playing lots of Hunter and Inter uh, during this phase. Uh, and probably Austin will not be with us. I uh, hope we don't get any more injuries. But uh, I have confidence in the confidence in this team. Uh, we uh, under Spalletti, we have much more mental strength, uh, and I think we are playing much closer to our potential. Uh, that did not used to happen uh, earlier under Gattuso or even under Ancelotti. Like we always underperform. But yeah, this season uh, I am quite confident that Spalletti will get us out of like he'll pull us through. I mean, a lot of team has good size. There's a good bench strength, I believe. So let's see. Uh, let's see if Kolibali can lead a reaction. But uh, Yogesh, I just want to ask you one thing. Uh, I think uh, the Napoli's fixture until December and after the New Year, I think they're facing a lot of tough teams. Playing AC Milan, yep. uh, they're facing Lazio, and also with the Juventus. fact I think January oh, no, Jan. uh, and January, I think the African Cup of Nations are there. If Osimhen is fit, he would go back to the African Cup of Nations. And also, Anguissa, your midfield master, now is playing one of the best football. He would be going. Yep. Also, I think owners will be leaving. So, I think a couple of key players... Kulibali as well. Kulibali, yes. Uh, sorry, <laughs> main guy. So, a couple of <laughs> players will be leaving for the African Cup of Nations in January. And I think for and you'll be facing a lot of tough teams next 10 matches in Italian League. So, what, how confident are you on that? Uh, I sort of want to take it like game by game. <laughs> take it day by day. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to set in much of expectation. Like, honestly, like before the start of the season, I really felt that top four finish this season pretty good. Spelity, this is a rebuilding season. Next year, we'll go on to higher. But this has been a record-breaking start. Nobody in the world expected this kind of start from Napoli. So, yep, we have done pretty good. Uh, there's no denying that. But if we can just... Uh, like, we have been very good. If we can be just average in this part of, of the season, like three months, if we can get, like, one, uh, one and a half or two point average uh, during these two months, then I think we should be fine. Other teams also have difficult games like Inter is in Champions League. That will soak out some energy. Uh, Milan or just like Milan score goals, Milan concede goals. So I'm not sure about the but Milan is doing well. Yeah, I suppose I suppose being there or thereabouts in like I suppose December's period, I suppose where you try to maximize your points as much as possible before your players start leaving for the African Cup of Nations because January is where you probably think, fine, we may lose points. So you probably want to make up for that in December. But yeah, like Mani said, there are some really big teams that you're going to be playing there, including Europa. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Napoli managed to get out of this festive period. Uh, the same with Inter as well. I mean, if any sort of slip-ups from Napoli and Milan and you guys are right up there, to take take those points and challenge once again. So, but yeah, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this particular review. Thank you, Manish and Yogesh, for coming on to this podcast and giving your thoughts on this game. It was a thriller of a game, uh, a lot of talk, a lot of things to talk about, and I think we covered most of it. So, thank you, and yeah, can't wait to host you in the near future. All right, cheers, buddy. No thank you. It was pleasure talking to you. Yeah, definitely. And thank you to those of you listening to this podcast with the end of this review and the end of part two, we end episode number nine of the MWF series. So if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, then do check out our previous episodes. Do check out our other series. Uh, 
which is the FFS series. Uh, we're there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, you name it, we're probably there. Uh, you can ch- catch the video version of this on YouTube, but it's only for members. So go check out our Patreon page or our membership program. We've got different benefits, different tiers. Uh, the video is actually available to all tiers, all members. So you can go check that out. We've got different benefits like uh, early access, bonus content and bonus footage, uh, behind the scenes stuff, uh, and also like veto power for our polls and everything like that. So go check that out. It's it's some really interesting stuff. Helps the podcast be financially more stable, get better equipment and all of that. So I guess that's about it for part two of episode nine of the MW series. I'm your host, Brady, once again. I'll catch you all on episode 10, which will be, I suppose, next week. You stay safe until then and see you.